Diverse voices. Unique sound. Not the same old thing. Different. Different. This is NOCO FM. Hi, and welcome to Connecting a Better World, where we spend time meeting some of the most incredible human beings who make this world a better place. We will learn how each individual took their ideas, mission, and purpose to create and serve others in business and organizations that surround social good, social entrepreneurship, and social impact, and find out how we, together, can further connect others to help. I am your host, Dr. Natalie Phillips. Today, we will be talking with Dr. Rich Simmons, Medical Director, and Kathy Simmons, Clinic Administrator for the Christ Clinic. The Christ Clinic is a nonprofit organization located in Northern Colorado providing free family medicine care to all members of the family. Their goal is to develop an ongoing relationship between patients and the Christ Clinic. Visits are by appointment only, and the Christ Clinic is not considered an urgent care clinic. The Christ Clinic offers the care of medical providers in an outpatient setting to individuals of the community who are uninsured or do not have access to medical care. So start me off from the beginning. I just want to hear about how this idea came to be and who started it all. So it started in fall 2012. In the year or so before that, there have been a number of us who were aware that there were a lot of people in the area who weren't able to get in to see physicians who couldn't afford to. And we began talking to each other. It's a faith-based clinic. We're all Christians. So we were thinking, well, Jesus takes care of those in need. And well, we're not Jesus, but maybe we can do something here. I spoke with people at the Family Medicine Center who sees a lot of uninsured patients who don't have access. And at that time, they had 250 people on their waiting list, and it was over a six-month waiting list. So clearly there was a need. We talked, again, amongst ourselves, talked with the church where we started out at, at Faith Church, and they were willing to support us having it on site there. And so you found your location, mm-hmm. and you found a few physicians mm-hmm. and providers that were willing to help out and donate their time and volunteer. And how often would you have patients come in to the clinic? So what we'd started out doing was once a week, uh, Monday evenings at Faith Church. The number of volunteers, that goes up and down, but it tends to run... Right now we have, I think, 152 volunteers. Volunteers serve one night a month or one morning a month. We expanded the clinic to a second site. So in addition to the Monday night clinics, now we run once a month a clinic on Friday evening, in fact, tonight. Um, And then two weeks later at the same second site at Mountain View Church on a Saturday morning. So we run six clinics a month. Yeah, because I thought when it first began, it was just Monday nights. Yes. And I remember it was at the Faith Evangelical Church, Mm -hmm. right, off of Shields. Mm -hmm. And when did you start at, is it Mountain View Church? Yes. It's about two years now. Mm -hmm. We had a couple concerns. One is it's only Monday nights. Are there people who aren't? can't get to a clinic on Monday night. And secondly, for people who don't have much financial resources, depend upon public transportation, 
bus service around that end of town ends pretty early, uh, between 6 and 7, say. So we were concerned people weren't getting to us because they couldn't do that. So we looked at a couple of locations, uh, ran into zoning problems with the first church that was interested. And fortunately, Mountain View is a place where we could get zoned. And so about two years, I don't think it's three, about two years ago, uh, we started the second site. And is it pretty crowded? Is it difficult to make an appointment? Because it's appointment only, correct? It is by appointment only. So we're not in urgent care. Our goal here is to develop relationships with patients to be their doctors. And so much like any family medicine practice, we have people coming in with appointments. Usually people can get an appointment within a week. So just to give you an idea of how many people we see a year, you know, our operations year since we started in October 2012, we go October through September. We saw 630 different appointments, which was up about 20% from the year before. And we had 215 new patients, which was up, again, not quite 10% from the year before. Wow, that's incredible. How do you see this growing? I know in the clinic, if you are two to three weeks booked with patients, Mm -hmm. I mean, you're in trouble because people are going to find another place to go. This is a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Did you open up the second location because there was such an overflow besides the timing? And now you have two night clinics, one on Saturday in the morning. It really was so that patients would have more access to care. So it wasn't that we couldn't accommodate more people at the first site. It really was to make a second site more available to patients who didn't have availability on a Monday night or didn't have access to Mm -hmm. transportation. Mm -hmm. And so having a downtown site serves that patient population. And you have a constant influx of patients, and then do you have the same providers that go to the second site, or is it a whole other group of volunteers? A second group of volunteers, yeah. What we've tried to, again, with asking people just to volunteer once a month, we've tried to have people volunteer on the same night of each month because the idea is to try and develop actually six little clinics so that when patients go, uh, that they'll be seeing the same people around them each time and also to build camaraderie amongst the volunteers. So by and large, a person who volunteers, whether they're as a doctor, a nurse, a receptionist, generally come back on the first Monday of the month. The group of people at Mountain View really have bonded together. Um, There's some more, I guess, overlap between the Friday night and the Saturday morning, but they just have a sense of, well, this is our clinic. And so that's good all around. It's good for morale. It's good for having people continue to volunteer. And it also, I think, it's good for patients that there are ways they can see the same people over and over. And I like that because... People think of doing missions and giving back, and you always have to go somewhere else. And our mutual connection, Dr. Mark Laurie, he and I have talked, and he always says, why don't you just bring it here? There are so many people here that need care, need service, need people who are willing to give back. And so I love the fact that it's right here in our backyards. People can volunteer. These are for patients that are either no insurance or they just don't have the access to the medical care. Is that correct? We have patients who have insurance with really high deductibles. Patients who, thanks to the Affordable Care Act, now have Medicaid, which they wouldn't have had before, but are unable to find a provider who will accept Medicaid into their Mm. practice. Um, And then we have patients who don't have any kind of insurance who will come see us. And how has this been accepted or... I guess, what's the feedback in the medical community? Because this is offering free medical care from pediatrics all the way up to geriatrics. 
have you gotten any positive feedback, negative feedback in the medical community here? When we first started out, the family medicine clinic, the training program, was very supportive of us. So we weren't competition. Austin Bailey was the director of the program at the time. He helped to introduce us to some people, actually gave us some equipment that we've used. So I think we've been well received. Good. I mean, whatever we do, obviously, this is a small scale. A 630 appointments a year is important for our patients and for us, but in the grand scheme of thing, we're not completely filling needs and we're not competing with those who are providing care. Here's something you might not know. NOCO FM is also a podcast network producing one-of-a-kind programming like the show you're enjoying right now. We have talk shows, original comedy, music shows curated by real people, and a lot more. So if you like what you're hearing, make NOCO FM a part of your day and tell your friends. Remember, that's www.noco.fm. like people to tell about the heart of how did you decide that this was something that you wanted to focus on? There's so many things that are out there. Maybe your background of what gave you that spark and what gave you that tug to give back to the community. I'm a Christian. I became a Christian before going to medical school. A lot of the drive to become a doctor was to care for people once again, because that's what Jesus did. In the 2000s, actually around the time we became empty nesters, we started taking some uh, medical missions trips to Latin America and kind of had the sense, I mean, obviously there are people there who have very real needs, but what we could do in a short-term visit is limited. We like the model of the groups we would go with. We'd go to a church or to a school. There'd be people in the community that would help to encourage the people in the community to come and get their care. And so the idea of being able just to reproduce that here, where we'll be there on and on and on. So when you make a change in someone's care, you can follow up what have we done to them was just real appealing. And what about you, Kathy? By background, I'm a clinical social worker. And so for Rich and I to be able to do this together is just a great blend of our gifts. And so it's a joy to serve alongside not only Rich, but also so many other volunteers who want to give back to the community. And this is a wonderful way to be able to do that. And how does somebody volunteer. Walk me through the process of, I'm sure you have some physicians, you have some nurses. Do you have anybody else that can volunteer that might not necessarily be in the medical field? Absolutely. We have an entire staff to support the nurses and providers. We have receptionists, we have hospitality people, we have security greeters, we have a takedown and setup staff who come in. So we use all sorts of volunteers. We have chaplains who work on site. That's one of the ways that Mark Lowry helps. There are people who come in with significant needs and our feeling is that there's a connection between physical and spiritual health. And so we want to be able to provide that spiritual care for those patients who desire it. And so we have chaplains serving on 
staff, volunteers go through an application process. They can apply through our website and get connected with us and they go through an application process. The application process for the nurses and the doctors or PAs or nurse practitioners is pretty rigorous because it's actually the federal government who does the Malpractice. Yeah, the mm. malpractice for the clinic. So people are credentialed by the federal government if they're going to serve at a free clinic. I see. So if someone is hearing about this and interested in volunteering, if they do go to the website, which is Christ Clinic FC. FC, like Fort Collins, FC.org. There are a tab there. You can figure out whether or not you want to volunteer. If they want to just call the phone number for the clinic, uh, which is 481-2390, they can leave a message there. Can you share some stories of in the past six years that the Christ Clinic has been operating of either patients or even providers that you can recall that makes this worthwhile? We see spikes in two different age groups of patients. So we see a lot of 20-somethings who are coming in for more acute things like flu or fever or a cold. And we see a spike in patients in their 50s. That's more chronic things like diabetes or hypertension or orthopedic issues, somebody who's been working construction all their life, things hurt. For me, the first recognition that, oh my goodness, this is meeting a big need, was the first time we diagnosed a patient with diabetes and she just had never been able to go to a physician before. And I'm sure she had diabetes for a really long time and it was just never diagnosed. And so the recognition that she was a long way into this disease. Yeah. I mean, without even any with kind of care. diabetes, there's so many other medical considerations and implications mm-hmm. besides diabetes. You know, eyes, ears are affected, mm-hmm. everything, limbs, right? So that's incredible. So, talking about that, because I was thinking about the chronic type of medical condition. Once you diagnose, What happens, you know, with diabetes, you've got to either be put on metformin or insulin. What type of access do these patients have once they leave your clinic to maintain their health? Is that also provided to them? So we provide what we can do on site. We don't have resources to provide care once you leave the building. Mm -hmm. The Walmart in particular has a $4 per month formulary where you can prescribe a lot of medications for very inexpensive prices. So, for example, with diabetes, we use metformin a lot because you can get it for $4 a month. Blood pressure medications, there's also a wide range of them for small amounts. So we try to work within people's budgets that way. Uh, We do keep and dispense some medications on site, a lot of antibiotics, because when people come in with a sinus infection or strep throat, they're seeing us in the evening, and the idea of having to either go out and wait in line at a pharmacy late in the evening or wait till tomorrow is not so good. As we've been, I guess as we're maturing in this and seeing what kind of patients we have, we put a lot of effort into people with diabetes. There's a diabetes nurse educator who works at Poudre Valley and at MCR, who volunteers at the clinic. So we schedule appointments with her to talk about diet activities and also what changes do we need to make in medications. We this year have initiated an initiative in trying to control hypertension better. So we do 
begin with sort of first months of medications for high blood pressure that we'll just dispense, have people come back and sort out medications. So some things we can do ourselves. We have a small laboratory on site, um, mm. and, and we'll do basically it's uh, amazon.com lab testing. <laughs> you can buy a lot of things at Amazon. So we will test sugars. We'll test A1Cs, a measure of long-term glucose control. Wow, I had no idea. Yeah, you can get all that. Um, <laughs> you know, we can do uh, your analyses, just a lot of things. If you can get it at Amazon, we'll probably have it. <laughs> If you can't get it at Amazon, then you'll have to go to a hospital and have a blood drawn, then you have to pay for it yourself. Sure. Very interesting. Great resource. How do you find these resources? I mean, some of it is some of it's just kind of word of mouth of people giving us ideas as we've gone along. So I can't even remember where some of them came from. Just by now, we've been doing it for quite a while. Mm-hmm. The Health District of Northern Colorado has been exceptionally helpful just in learning about pharmaceutical resources and where we can access things inexpensively. We've certainly had people who have donated to the clinic so that we can have those antibiotics on site, or people have donated at times insulin that we can dispense or things like that. We've had wonderful support from the medical community, especially from practices who are truly private practices. We've been able to direct our patients to care that they might need beyond the scope of the clinic. And I think our office has even done a few things beyond the scope yes. of care. Yeah. So so yeah. there's a number of practices. Dr. Lowry's mm-hmm. practice will see ear, nose, and throat people. There's some dermatologists, orthopedists, a couple of physical therapy practices. There's an optometrist, Bob Larson, who's given away dozens, if not 100 or more pairs of glasses. Wow. So there are people who, again, are willing to see our patients for free, which is extraordinarily important. And what the specialists in the community do is they do a contract with the clinic where they define how many patients per year they're willing to see. So each specialist is able to decide how much they want to support the clinic, how much they want to support Mm -hmm. patients in need. So it's very customizable for that practice. Yes, very much so. So let's talk a little bit more about what your needs are. I know you have a list of ongoing needs as well as current needs on your website listed. What other types of things, even including providers? You talked about providers that can get involved. What are the things that you're missing that if somebody's listening to this might be able to connect you to fill in those holes? Well, surprisingly, it's not so much clinical people. I mean, mm-hmm. we are Christ Clinic. If you're a medical person, you're interested in volunteering, well, then you know to come to us. But to get our word out into the community, people who have access or who have skills in social media or in contacting with um, organizations in the community, other nonprofits to keep our name before them. Actually, right at the moment, that's what we're very much desiring. So Uh, communications, social media. Yes. Hmm. Okay. Uh I know a few people. (laughs) But I mean, you know, it changes over time. And partly because for six years now, there's been a man who's been our outreach director and uh, he's stepping away. It's all volunteer, correct? It's all volunteer. Yes. And so those sorts of things. So we are looking for an outreach director, someone who has the time to connect not only with agencies in the community, but honestly, who places flyers throughout the community in places where our patient population would see Mm -hmm. the flyers and learn about the clinic. 
we need somebody who will give brochures to churches in the community to keep Christ Clinic before those in the community who would have patients come in looking. Right now, the other significant volunteer need we have is for phone intake nurses. They are the first place of contact for our patients. And so it's not a Monday night position. It's not a Saturday morning or Friday night position. It's somebody who takes those first phone calls and does the triaging to see whether or not a patient is appropriate for the clinic. And the intake nurses who do that, they are amazing and we are incredibly thankful. And right now they work in two-week blocks. Okay. Um, So we would love to have several more. So it was a week commitment to returning phone calls. So. so let's talk about that. Let's put it out there on the airwaves here. Yes, yes. And so outreach coordinator, hours, mm-hmm. possibly talk to me about that as well as maybe a triage or phone intake nurse. What would be the hours? Is it pretty flexible? So for any kind of outreach, that would be completely flexible. We don't look at what happens in a week. We look at what happens in a month or two. Intake nurses, So, I mean, we are different than a regular practice. We have no on-call coverage. We try to make sure that patients hear that if they see us, we start to treat them, and they get sicker during the week, don't call us back because we may not listen to the message for a day. You go to urgent care, you go to an emergency room. We're different. We really are for people who have no other resources. So when the clinic closes, say at 9 o'clock on a Monday evening, between then and the next Monday morning, really, the intake nurse is pretty much the practice, and me is the guy who gets the second phone call. So for those things, it would probably be, well, it certainly would be each weekday looking on our email site a couple times a day, returning phone calls. It's hard to know how many hours, maybe 10 hours in a week. Now that we've got technology, it's easily accessible to if you're a nurse and you're running your kids around and it's time to check the email or the phone line or however they they check messages to do that and then get back to that particular patient, correct? Yes, it's either... Nurses who are retired or close to it, but then young moms. You know, I've, I've had enough phone calls with an intake nurse saying, well, my child's down for the nap now and we can get some things done. Exactly. So, yeah. It's just about finding the time. Right. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything else that you would like to share or get out there for people to learn about the clinic or help it grow? So from our point of view, um, let me speak to the volunteer part. Truly, it has been a joy and a privilege to work alongside such an amazing group of volunteers who truly wants to give back to the community. That's been a gigantic blessing. I also feel like the volunteers, as is often the case, you get back so much more than you give. It's a joy and a privilege. From a patient point of view, one of the things that we have seen of significance, it's hard to come to a free clinic. That very first time, often there's a deer in the headlights Mm -hmm. look. They're a little bit embarrassed. They don't know what they're walking into. And the difference that we see from a first-time patient who walks through the door, they're welcomed warmly. They go through the process of coming in and having people love on them from the time they go to the receptionist to the, you know, the hospitality ladies do a lovely job. 
lot of times it's single moms coming in after work and the kids are hungry. They'll have the children with them and these women will watch the kiddos while mom goes in and sees the provider. Our providers are great. Our nurses are wonderful. The difference between how a patient looks coming in and by the time they left and they've been respected and loved and their medical needs are beginning to be addressed, it's huge. It's a significant difference and just a privilege to be a part of. I guess the one other thing that might be important that we haven't talked about at all is we have translators available each week for our Spanish-speaking population. That's a huge extra gift. And in fact, right now we have some Spanish-speaking translators who are also MDs. They're in the part of the training where they're not licensed yet in the United States. So they bring that wonderful skill that they're using as a translator, but they also have the medical background that's this extra boost gift to our Spanish-speaking population. How did they get connected so quickly to you? Uh, Like these Spanish-speaking MDs who are not yet licensed, but they're here and they're ready to roll. I think it's word of mouth. I think we were given the gift of one person learning about the clinic and that provider has shared with a number of others. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, that's been part of the gift. Word of mouth has been wonderful. I do think for us, it's been a joy that we do get to see people from all over the world. We only have Spanish translators, but a fair number of people from the Middle East have come to see us, some people who are refugees, people from Southern Europe. So it's a treat. You get to meet people who maybe other places you wouldn't run into each other. So it's a joy. Did you ever expect that this is where it was going to be six years when you first started this? No, not at all. I mean, you start out, you don't know if um, if people are going to come or not. Mm-hmm. And, and we wondered, we wondered what the impact of the Affordable Care Act would be. Mm-hmm. We wondered if that would make a change as people had more access because of Medicaid. So it's been interesting to us. In fact, there's been an increase in patients. More of the patients have Medicaid, but they still don't have access to a physician. That's a great point, because you said that in the beginning, too. Mm -hmm. I assumed that the care that was provided at the Christ Clinic was for most people who did not have insurance, including the people that do have Medicaid. And we are, our office is a Medicaid provider, and there aren't very many offices that will take Medicaid patients because you have the choice as a provider to not. Even though you are a medical provider, you can opt out. And that's a great point because there are lots of Medicaid patients out there that cannot find access to a provider because there are not a lot in the community. The benefit for our patients in having Medicaid, I mean, everything on site with us is free. The benefit is if they need extra tests Mm -hmm. when they have Medicaid, then we can get them the extra blood work they need or if they need an x-ray or things like that. That's the blessing of the Affordable Care Act for our patient population. Our goal is really to take care of anyone who lacks access to health care. And so we don't ask people when they come in if they have insurance. 
or really you know any of those other things. It only becomes an issue when then we want to order some tests, and then you get into the conversation. If, if you have Medicaid, then it's usually pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. If you're uninsured, then we begin to talk about, well, this is how much a test costs. And we're open to anybody who feels they have a need for us. Come right in. Come on down. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in to Connecting a Better World, and thank you, NOCO FM, for supporting this show. If you haven't heard, NOCO FM is dedicated to bring diverse voices and spotlighting a unique culture to Fort Collins and beyond. For more information, please visit www.noco.fm. If you connected to something in this episode, we would love to hear from you. Our contact info will be listed in the show notes, as well as you can reach us on our social media channels. Please feel free to share our podcast with your friends and loved ones. For more shows, please tune in to noco.fm online. This has been a production of NOCO-FM.